Good evening. You are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radlidge. And tonight, Robert Winfrey's favorite show is Cowboy Bebop, the live action series brought to you by... Mark, <laughs> why do you lie to the people? Because <laughs> I'm a propagandist at heart. Uh, brought you, to you really are. <laughs> good people at Tomorrow Studios, Midnight Radio, and Sunrise Incorporated. Uh, this debuted on Netflix on November 19th, 2021. It stars John Cho as Spike Spiegel. Mustafa Shakir as Jack Black and Danielle Pagheda as Faye Valentine. And there are other people in this as well. Uh, joining me on this podcast, or as I like to call it, a group therapy session masquerading as a review, is Alexis Haina from Honeysuckle Rose Creations. How do you do, madam? Hey, Space Cowboys. <laughs> Aloha. And from any damn podcast he chooses, ladies and gentlemen, David Wright from our Canadian office. How do you do, sir? Well, Mark, I'm I'm ready to blow this scene, so let's get everybody and their stuff together. Okay, so three, two, one, let's jam. <laughs> and more quotes to follow from this show. All right, so I'm going to start with you, David, um, and, and and keep it pithy. Um, you started, did you watch the anime Cowboy Bebop? Can you tell me, like, really briefly, um, what is Cowboy Bebop and your association with it? Okay, yeah, just back when I first got into the anime scene, it was kind of just one of those shows that sort of had floated to the surface in the sort of group consciousness. You know, mm -hmm. it's one of the bigger names. So, you know, eventually uh, someone was able to to get me uh, a copy, and uh, so I watched it back in the day. And, yeah, it was, you know, good show, well-written, fantastic music. Um, I've heard it's the best anime out there, or it was at, at one time it was, like, the height of the anime scene. There's still um, a very real argument that that's true. This is on the Mount Rushmore. This is maybe the best ever. Like there's, it's certainly, there's it's certainly up there. It definitely got the award for probably best English dub ever. Mm -hmm. 100%. And it certainly is the most accessible of animes to a non-anime audience, especially a Western audience. Okay. I would say, yeah. like, like if yeah, if you're like an American Canadian, what have you, and you're not into these Japanese cartoons, this is a show that if you watch it in English, like you could totally enjoy, despite it being Japanese. It's not super crazy, uh, but yeah, like I, I enjoyed the show, and you know, I was interested in you know there being more stuff. In it. I I can't say that you know once I saw Cowboy Bebop, my life was changed forever, and it has become a you were a, born you again. Know, <laughs> yeah, I was born again, and it is an inseparable component of my personality and my life. And, you know, Netflix's live action adaptation is just, you know, a landmark moment in my life and just has destroyed my soul. No, like it's, it was a good show. It's still a good show. Like, okay. You know, they, I'm not one of the, one of the She-Ra people pretending that like She-Ra is the most informative thing in my entire life. So we can complain about the Netflix version. Uh, was, that a slam, wait, was that a slam against Mark and me when we reviewed? No, that? no, 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 no. You guys, oh. that, that was a slam on like all the nerd YouTubers pretending that they had given a damn about Shira ever since they were twelve. Yeah. So, um, Alexis, real quick, did you catch it from the beginning? What brought you to Cowboy Bebop? 
I had seen a few episodes of Cowboy Bebop when I was much younger when it aired on uh, like Adult Swim and stuff. Mm -hmm. I actually own the entire series on Blu-ray, but I have not had a chance to sit down and watch the whole thing from beginning to end. Okay. Now, much like David said, it is a really it, working in the anime convention circuit. It is a really popular anime. It's very easy to get people involved. A lot of people say they want to get involved in anime. They want to start watching. They don't know where to start. And then some screw head says, go start watching one piece and then you're never going to see them again for the rest of their lives <laughs> or is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon that too uh, hang on are you asking a moral question or no, is that no. the name of a show? That's, that's the name of the show because i have different answers depending on where we're going with this it's <laughs> one that you will not show your daughter okay mark Jack. No, Cowboy Bebop is highly recommended for those who want to get into anime. Not only does it is not too in depth to major Japanese culture where there is a translation issue. Mm -hmm. It is not very long. It's only twenty six episodes, so you get and again a and a movie, and so you get a lot of people. It's like, well, I don't want to start something that's going to take like twenty years to watch. It's like, no, go watch Cowboy Bebop. Only, it's very cool. Only twenty six episodes. Only twenty six episodes in a movie. Oh, yeah. That's it. Okay. It is the animation is great. It's got one of the best soundtracks of any anime to date. Not to mention, is a high standard of voice acting. So it's I would highly recommend it for anyone. So like I said, I have not had a chance to sit down and watch it beginning to end in recent memory, mostly because I'm stuck watching crap for you, Mark. Um, it is on my to-do list, but when I saw that we were going to get this live action series, I was very intrigued. Uh, also because I am actually, I, I'm sorry. I know you gave a huge thumbs down when they announced John Cho as Spike Spiegel uh, there, Robert, but I thought he was a really good choice for this. Not to mention, I have been watching that man in movies since I first saw him in the American Pie films when I was a teenager. That man has aged like a very fine wine. He looks incredible. <laughs> well, he looks incredible for 56. I thought he's 49. Either. Either would be fine. Anyway, he's in his 50s. Middle age. I, I would not have thought he was older than 35 watching this. I mean, you know, makeup does you wonders are, for you, but. You guys are so weird. He's like, 49. I, okay, he was born well. in 1972. He's still, for 49, he looks incredible. Yeah. All right, Robert, so that we can dovetail into the actual review here, tell us about, uh, tell us, like, in not in like great detail when i say detail like what what is a cowboy bebop what happens in this thing and why is in a very simple like newspaper headline why is the adaptation such a bear for you um why well, I, I mean i can just tell you why the adaptation is such a bear for me there's tell us what i can cowboy do the, bebop can do the rough summary if you if you like if you're not up for well it. if you don't well the, the basic premise of the anime and ostensibly the television show, and I say ostensibly because well, we'll get to that. <laughs> it, it, follows a couple, uh, it follows the crew of the Bebop, which is a, a group of bounty hunters. It's Spike Spiegel, Jet Black. They, they acquire Faye Valentine and Radical Ed and the Corgi Ein, the data dog. And it's their adventures for a few for a handful of episodes, their personal foibles, the little bit of the world building, and the the trauma of their past that has led them to the place where they are and then their eventual kind of growth out of it the anime itself is a bittersweet tragedy by design okay. like it's very much the the ending for all the characters and i don't feel bad about spoiling this it's a 30 some odd year old property at this oh point. god it's that old the original was 90 it's almost <laughs> 30 
Okay. What, what, the 90s? 98 to 2000 was the My original God, I run. I can't believe the 90s was 30 years ago. Yeah, Math, I know, everybody. Right? <laughs> the 30, yeah. 30 years ago was not the 70s, people. And 30 years ago, I was in high school. Excuse me, I have to go into the woods now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was 30 years ago, I was in high school, too. How do you think I feel? Yeah, is God. everyone else uh, participating in like the 20-year Harry Potter reunion? J.K. Rowling has completely ruined any chance. Oh, except we for J.K. Rowling. Yeah. yeah. So, Cowboy, so, so Cowboy Bebop, Robert. So all of the characters' endings are again they're in the same bittersweet vein. These are people, with the exception of Ed. Ed serves a very different purpose. Yeah. Ed uh, had a happy ending. To the yeah. Ed and Ayn head off into the sunset to start a new to start their own series of adventures. Well, you can't Jet, have a bittersweet ending for the corgi. Well, sure. He also hops around on all four legs at one point after doing mushrooms, which corgis do when they're not on mushrooms. He bunny hops. Eddie, Eddie you want to uh, confirm that? He's asleep. I, I've seen videos. The one of time when his expertise is necessary. <laughs> yeah, the one time when I actually need the dog on screen and they're both completely passed out behind me. Damn it, Eddie. Well, can we wake the dogs up to give them mushrooms? Because I would much rather watch that than half of what I saw on this show. Uh, hang on. Um, you got mushrooms? We'll talk. Faye, on, Faye Valentine undergoes a serious personality crisis when she realizes she can never find out exactly who she was before being awoken from cryosleep. Jet finally moves on. Jet has no kid in the anime. Mm -hmm. Jet finally moves on from the woman he loved, uh, leaving him after he was framed as... Uh, he was the one good cop in his precinct, you know, and he was framed as being dirty. Mm -hmm. he, he's finally able to kind of move on from that, but he's still captain to the bebop. He's still living the life of a bounty hunter, but he gets he gets kind of the happiest, discounting Ed. He gets the happiest because he's a bit hopeful about the future. And Spike finally realizes he can't keep ignoring the past. He can't keep running from it. He has to wake up from the dreamlike state he's been in ever since he was almost murdered by Vicious. He has to take out the syndicate, not in his own beautiful words. I'm not going there to die. I'm going there to find out if I'm alive. And he's able to kill all of them, but dies but dies in the process. And the series ends with his death. The series actually was a little uh, They were ambiguous, ambiguous. about it. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the creator actually said he wanted it to be ambiguous whether or not. He wants it to be a case of if you think Spike lived or not. There obviously was no follow-up and he never answered if it happened. Yeah. So it's left entirely up to the viewer's own personal choice. My which, which is great in my opinion. I agree. Like the general consensus is he dies. So, But if your interpretation is different, that's perfectly valid. There is no contramanding evidence. So that's the anime it's mm -hmm. beautiful it has like everyone said maybe the best soundtrack in anime history and thank god they got yoko kano back for this show because otherwise i would like Do that's they, one of the is it jazz things. what kind of music is it it's jazz everything okay the entire the show is this great melting pot of genres and the music mm -hmm. is kind of the same it's mostly jazz influenced Mm. But there's Western influences. There's uh, Japanese, like traditional Japanese. There are times influence. the show cuts to kind of like a '70s exploitation mm -hmm. fight soundtrack kind of a thing. Is that oh, yeah. is that a thing from the cartoon? Very much. Okay. So the anime. Yeah, I don't, I'm fine. not. I'm not going to get on you about that. <laughs> Call it whatever. Look, it's either terrific. one's fine with me. Look, okay. we're not the kind of people who shoot each other for calling a comic book a graphic novel. Okay, we're not going to start on semantics. <laughs> okay, not over well, that. Keep going, Rob. So that's kind of that's kind of the anime, and it's understated. It's beautiful. It's a work of, and when I say it's a work of art, I don't just mean the writing. Mm 
Mm -hmm. I mean, look at this thing. Realize they drew this in the late 90s. Most of this is done by hand. There is CG, there is CGI backgrounds, but they don't stand out at all. Mm -hmm. And it, just understand the artistry that had to go into this. The, the amount of detail that these animators would put into a half, like a, a second or a half second shot of a switch being flicked so they can cut around the interior of a uh, of one of the spaceships as, as uh, one of the pilots will work through it. That's never seen again, but every detail is still correct. I don't, I don't call television work much television art. Not to say that it isn't, and not to say that the medium itself is not artistic, but I very rarely say X is a piece of art. Cowboy Bebop is a piece of art. Okay. Every bit of the every bit of the craftsmanship is exceptional in that respect. You want to know why I have a problem with yes, live action adaptation? But do it in the manner that we discussed in the previous show, where you corner somebody in an office and you know, and you've only got a few seconds to explain it to them. Here's my Thank problem. God we're not going episode by episode. I've got work to do tonight, boys. <laughs> here's here's the biggest problem I found with the live action adaptation. It follows the same trend that so many Netflix live action adaptations follow in that these assholes would draw a mustache on the Mona Lisa and think it was an improvement. <laughs> mm -hmm. That that's what these people do when they adapt things. Now not everything that has hang on. Not everything original that Netflix does is bad. I've I've praised many of them. What have you Not praised? No, I'm sorry, Robert. I need comparisons to know where Ju your line Jupiter's is Legacy. At. We spent three hours on it and we're mostly positive. Like like 90% positive on Jupiter's Legacy. We I'd were to... we were at least yeah. on one and a half seasons of Daredevil. So yeah. I thought it was near perfect. Okay. One out of three of Jessica... Well, hang on. One out of three of Jessica Jones we thought was fantastic. Yeah. And then it went off a hill. Really we were did. the only white men on earth who praised Iron Fist season one. So we, I like we Iron were. Fist. Okay. I, I thought and that show got a really bad Punisher. rap. Okay, then so, Robert, do me a favor. On a list on a scale of Jupiter, Jupiter's like Jupiter send no Jupiter's like Le Legacy. Very confusing. Le I, I know. Was, I, yeah, I was starting to think the Wachowskis. Legacy to the live action Death Note. Where does this fall? <laughs> oh boy. This is because I know exactly where the bottom is. This is closer to live action Death Note than. Oh, oh shit! Everyone, now, now, hang on, hang on. Chance to weigh in, but I want to get a very general sense of where Netflix missed the target, and then I want to go to David and Alexis for their thoughts on the actual show. Now, hang on. So when I say it's closer to, there's two ratings I have to give the show, and I have to give them two separate ratings. Taken purely on its own merits, it's a four out of ten. <clears throat> it's below average. It's not very good. With Individual episodes that rise higher than that. There's a couple of episodes that are more like six and a half. In fairness to the show. Taken on its own terms. Again, it's subpar. It's not very good as a general rule. But it has moments and there are things about it that are positive. As an adaptation of pre-existing material, it's this borders on a catastrophic failure. And there's a reason that the meme about... The manga, the anime, the Netflix adaptation has never looked good for any Netflix adaptation. Ever. Is that like the three-headed dragon when one of them is derpy? Sort of that or it's three panels. Okay. I always thought the uh, three-headed dragon was a Hydra. It's King Ghidorah, but whatever. 
God, we're a bunch of nerds. We are. We really are. That's why everyone's watching. Just figured it out now. Well, what this show gets wrong, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. on its own terms, there's a host of issues that I want to talk about separately with everyone. As an adaptation, John Cho's not cool enough, and he's way too old to play Spike. Uh, He doesn't look that old. He really doesn't. He's got canyons in his eye around his eyes. Next point. Look, you could have done worse than John Cho. I will give them that. Could have been worse. Could have absolutely been worse. Um, the writing of Faye Valentine is 90% atrocious. Okay. Just a misread uh, of the character. They deliberately changed her. Okay. And consequently, I'm not holding that entirely against it. You tried to change the character for reasons that I wholeheartedly disagree with. But fair enough, you tried to do something. And I, I'm willing to take that more on its own terms. Um, the decision to give Jet Black a family, I think, is a is not a correct decision. That said, again, this is, the, the show is very much not... Tro- is, this, this is what bothers me about it. Let, let me rewind here. A lot of these adaptations, not just Netflix, but in general, they want all the credit for from a pre-existing fan base. They want all the positive association of being associated with something that not only has a fan base, but is well-received. Then they want to do nothing related to the original material and then bitch at everyone for not taking the show on its own terms. That's a load of crap. If you make something that is based on an existing IP, Kevin Smith, you don't get to cr- play victim when everyone says, here's all this existing IP. Here's all the ways you screwed it up, but please take it on its own terms. Call it something else then. If this show were a generic space sci-fi action comedy, like I said, on its own terms, you change a few things, you change the title, you change the name. Like Firefly, for example. Sure. Firefly is much better than this, but this would be a four. Oh, no, I changed the title from Cowboy Bebop to Firefly. Yeah. Uh, then it's a totally original idea that is transcendently amazing. Well, if you're one of the idiots who uh, subscribes to Joss Whedon and the writers of this thing clearly were, and I'll get to that. I swear uh, by my pretty little bonnet, I will end you. <laughs> Look, Yo, guys, I, can I, we, yeah. okay, please. Can we just not start on the Joss Whedon trashing thing? I'm, we all agree he's scum of the earth. Yes, but... I, I bring him up because the, there's a point I'm going to get to later when we talk about the show that he is his existence. And I don't mean this in the general sense, what he did to television, its fingerprints are all over this show and not in a good way. And I, that's why I brought him up. Yep. I knew where you were going he and needed the, to get there eventually. Yeah. And look, Firefly is very clearly inspired by Cowboy Bebop. It's also not trying to be a direct adaptation of it, and consequently, people are happy to take it on its own terms. Anything else be, so we can we can get into talking about stuff here? Um, okay, so my point being, yeah, look, if you don't want to deal with angry fan bases complaining that you have screwed up something they care deeply about, create something original, you hack. <laughs> Just throwing right. it out there. Let me go over to you, David. Now, you like this show a lot. What are... What is an element that you most want to talk about um, that made you like the show? Um, like I wouldn't say like I loved the show, but I I enjoyed it for what it was. Like 
you know, I, I had fun with some of the plot lines. It was neat seeing some of the you know bits and pieces from the anime translated into live action. I thought the special effects team did an amazing job overall. There's a couple of bits here and there where it looks uh, not so Dude, good, but when when Jet Black br- busts through the ceiling in the casino in the first episode, you can count the pixels. Like it's okay. Bad. I, I I did not notice that, but uh, hey, it you do bad. you. It looks better than the fight with uh, LeFou in the first the first time when everyone's getting set on fire. I mean, I think we can all agree the special effects team on that one apparently went out for a cigarette break. The only effect there. shot that I saw where I went, oof, was yeah in the LeFou fight where they they sort of pan away from him and Spike to their shadows on the wall oh, and him like God, yeah. backflip kicking. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that was uh, – you, you guys didn't have enough time to – to, to, to redo that one because yeah that that looked like uh, you know a, a Looney Tunes cartoon. It just really did. It, I mean, it really in. looked horribly animated. Yeah. And and not in the nice homage way. Just like this no. this is way out of place. So that <laughs> was. Uh, this, this show's not smart enough to play something like that for laughs. They're trying to play it straight, and it comes across badly. Yeah, but like all, all the stuff in the ships and the set design, I thought they they nailed it. And like one nice thing about Cowboy Bebop is, as much as it takes place in the future, it doesn't look completely different from the present. Like the buildings still look like it has the that, modern it has buildings. That, it has that Dune or Alien or you know that kind of lived in lived Very in much. universe that just happens to be thousands of years from now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something down. about it it's... that almost gives it a timeless feel to it and yeah. you never look there's so many movies that say they're in the future and then a few right. years later it looks like wow you've already made this look so horribly dated this mo- this tv show really does a good job of keeping the same feel of the anime like that that yeah. it doesn't feel like you it, know yeah it like had that. kind of a fifth element kind of motif to it which i yeah. like I don't, I don't like the sanitized star trek universe where everything is pristine yeah but it's like we don't see many automatic doors for example yeah. like we're still using like it's a piece of wood two hinges and a you know and a latch it's you know still that level of technology works fine in the future when they go mm-hmm. to you know the the police station even in the anime like it looks like like a police, a police station, station. like like I'm, you know there you know there's nothing really fancy new mm-hmm. high tech future so you, you like really you could film a cowboy bebop movie or show in live action kind of anywhere in the modern day just with minimal set dressing and maybe like put a matte overlay on the background showing you know the shield walls mm-hmm. for because they're on Mars now um so and and then that's kind of what they did in a lot of this which I thought worked pretty good but uh yeah I, I, I kind of view it as it's almost like a cover band or a sort of mixtape tape like it's almost like a sort of jazz using mm-hmm. the original where they've kind of taken bits and pieces and scenes from the original show and sort of jumbled them together into their own thing and you know obviously some people don't think that is better than the original and I wouldn't say it's better than the original but mm-hmm. I also wouldn't say it's bad it's just it's its own take on this universe with different People and yeah, they have changed some things around. Like certainly, Faye is a lot more of sort of the American ideal, I guess now of what a strong female character is. She swears, she swears more than anyone else in the show. She flips people off. You know, she she's you know she's very potty mouth, lots of attitude. You know, she's now you know in the original, she was more of a con artist 
compulsive gambler who turns to bounty hunting because it's like, hey, I can make money doing this. Here we have to do an episode where she tells Spike, oh, by the way, I'm like the best bounty hunter in the universe. And he's like, you are the best bounty hunter in the universe. <laughs> never, she- never mind that also her her motivation in the original was financial debt. She gets woke, she gets thought out of her cryo sleep and then handed the bill. <laughs> Quick question, because again, I haven't seen the whole thing. Was it clarified if she was bisexual in the anime as She's well? Not. I don't okay. remember her sexuality not- really ever being a big thing, other than she knew she was hot and was totally okay she, using that to, she played, to manipulate it's the fe- situations. It's the femme fatale, yeah, so she's based on that sort of femme fatale thing. But I'd say, like, even by Japanese standards, like if you watch the anime, that's still like a strong female character. It's just she's allowed she to be. Was. A woman who is a woman instead of like a dude with tits who swears all the time. Like, bearing, bearing in mind that the anime does, in fact, have a dude with tits, but we'll get to we'll yeah. get to him. Yeah, but but for me, I think like, I I liked the aspect of Jet having a daughter. That was an interesting addition to the character because again, like if you want to watch Cowboy Bebop, watch Cowboy Bebop. Like this isn't Please. the Star Wars, do, you know, re- remasters where George Lucas is doing everything he can to erase those original films from existence and know this is the only star Wars that anyone will know until I die. It's, you know, you can go and watch the original 26 episodes and the movie unedited, unaccosted, you know, you on can Netflix. get the original yeah, on Netflix. It, even you can wait, get is it, I thought it was on Hulu. Uh, it's there too. I don't know. It's on Netflix at the very least. It's so like, yeah, like you it's can, it's on you, one of those. I'm pretty it's sure it's like, on both. um, so I mean like, like the, the episode, like the best episode for me was when, you know, Faye goes traipsing around with her, the con artist that Galileo got her Russell. out of, yeah. And and then you have Jet and Spike searching around trying to you know, run interference while Jet's trying to, you know, like Skype into his daughter's, you know, school play recital. It's and you just both. see, yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> that actually, I just, did love that episode, especially when you cut to him cheering and everything and you see Spike in the background getting his ass kicked. That yeah, it's just the choreographer is like, what kind of funny things can we think of putting in the background here? And yeah, and that just, that 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 episode worked on so many levels. We got, you know, character development for a lot of the cast, especially Faye. Uh, they sort of deepened out a bit with the relationship of her and the the con artist that uh, yeah, ripped her off initially. And yeah, and just, yeah, the, the, the fun that they had with the setup is that kind of felt sort of the most... Cowboy Bebop-y of, of the series. And I'm pretty sure that's the best episode. I, I, I would put that as the highlight. But yeah, it's it's a mixed bag. There's certainly things I didn't like as much, but I kind of think, you know, there, there's some things where you, know, you, you can have the canonical version of it, but there are other things where they're allowed to sort of have another kick at the can. Like, Mark, you and I are going to review the third iteration of Lost in Space next month. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the original Irwin Allen series, then they had the you know '90s movie right. with William Hurt, Matt LeBlanc, uh, Gary Oldman, and you know now we have the Netflix series. And I'm sure five, ten years from now, someone else is going to do another Lost in Space series where it'll be a different take on the setup. Uh, we're getting yeah. our third kick at the can at Battlestar Galactica at some point in the future. Again, like you know, and and like when the the twenty, sorry, the two thousand and three reboot by Ronald Moore and David Icke came out. Yeah, the original Battlestar Galactica fans, you know, raised bloody murder. This isn't our original thing. You've gender swapped and race swapped members of the character. This is before this. We had the internet outrage machine, but you know, it was bit, it was yeah. this huge, this huge controversy. And then the show came out. I was like, holy frack, this is amazing. And 
you know, so mm -hmm. some, so I don't really say that a new adaptation negates the original or supplants the original. Sure. And for me, if people watch the shows like, Hey, that was kind of interesting. You know, maybe I'll check out the original. All right, Alexis, what did you like about this show? I really enjoyed a lot of the choreography, the lighting, the music in this is absolutely gorgeous. Mark, I've talked to you before. I am a giant fan of jazz, swing, bebop, and stuff like that. I love how well they incorporated this. I seriously just want to go pick up the soundtrack to this show. Yeah, and, where could yeah. we get the soundtrack? God damn it. <laughs> well, David, at 28 minutes into the podcast, I'm glad you asked where we could get the music in the middle of Alexis talking that I'm going to do a plug now. It's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. And for more on that, here's Alexis and her thoughts on Cowboy Bebop. Like I said, I did enjoy this. I'm not going to consider it the best Netflix, not even the best Netflix live action series that we've gotten, but I did enjoy it. Um, obviously, even though I haven't seen all of the anime, I know that the anime is leagues above this. But much like David said, I think that the worst that this is going to do is encourage people to go check out the anime. Like we said, it's on Netflix or Hulu or Crunchyroll. You know, oh. you. It's, it's gotta have. I'm pretty sure it's on Crunchyroll too. It's everything. It There's a lot of absolutely on. <laughs> we Hang know on. it's on, on Netflix and on. Hulu. It is currently on Netflix, Hulu, Funimation, Tubi, oh, Funimation. Direct TV, Adult Swim, and Spectrum. For those people who have that, I'm also pretty sure you can find it on just on YouTube if you're clever enough. Okay, there you go. You can find it on one of those. It's one of the greatest animes of all time. Go check it out. This is not a horrible sit-through. If you're going to compare it to every little bit of the original Cowboy Bebop, then yeah, you're probably going to sit there grinding your teeth, Robert. But I really didn't think it was that bad because I was able to view it as a completely separate entity. That's the only way I was able to survive the Death Note remake. That and Willem Dafoe was awesome. But like I said, there were a lot of elements that I liked. There was a lot of really great lines. The cinematography and the lighting in this was beautiful. And who am I kidding? I can't get mad at anything with the Corgi. <laughs> so, Come on. Like, I refuse to believe you guys were looking at the screen. Every time Ayn was on screen going, oh, it's a good boy. So more here, here's my thoughts on the show. Now, obviously, I haven't watched the anime. It's why I've kind of just sitting out and mostly moderating. But I did want to give an opinion on the show since I am here. Or as Robert has said once, I'm here. I'm going to talk. Um, so I liked half of it. Um, again, I have no source material to compare it to, so I'm just watching it fresh as, as a series of, you know, it's, it's what, it's what we're talking about in the Twitterverse, so I'm going to watch it. And I, my soul just died a little having said that out loud. Um, TikTok, but, TikTok. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I'm with Alexis, uh, and David on, there's a lot of style. There's a lot of aesthetic that I appreciated. Robert knows that I'm a big fan of like the Roger Corman 70s exploitation, uh, the soul cinema black exploitation movies of, of that era as well. There's a lot of those kinds of aesthetic and elements present, especially in the first half of the season. Um, I'm not the world's biggest Kung Fu fight, fight fan, but I do enjoy, you know, a good, uh, you know, stylized Kung Fu fight that's set to some jazzy fun music. And that's a lot of, like, at least the very first episode and a couple of episodes I in. Hate, I hate so much about the fight choreography in this show. but I'll Well, I, I, I'm not judging it on its fight choreography. I, I like the fact that when I watched the first episode, I was immediately taken back to the 70s. And so that aesthetic I appreciated. Um, I enjoyed the I enjoyed Cho's performance. 
I thought um, as, as somebody trying to hide his past from his partner and kind of handle things on the sly, I, uh, I was enjoying the nuance to which he was delivering that kind of performance. I also, <laughs> I, I thought, I, I assumed it was a thing from the series and I kind of giggled every time he did it. Every time he said the word noodles, I'm guessing that's a, that's a gimmick from the show because he does well, it a lot here. Um, uh, and every the, time he did it, I was the like, bell, the, noodles and bell the noodles and bell peppers with beef, mm -hmm. beef. That's a running gag because they're always broke. Okay. In any case, you know, there was this great interplay between him and Jet Black. And, you know, Jet Black was always the serious guy being serious with a serious thing he's got to do seriously. And then, you know, and then much like every uh, every other person in my life, he goes, and aren't you with me? And that person goes, I'd like to get noodles. And it's like, <sighs> I'd like to schedule a podcast seriously. I understand that. But have you heard about this thing? I'm like, oh, God, shut up, Evan. Um, so, <laughs> love you, but um, I, I have things to do. I, I very much sympathize with Jet Black, um, and everyone in my life is his his spike. Um, anyway, but I, I enjoyed that. Shit, we lost Robert, guys. He'll come back. Um, so he, he, he has camera troubles. My, uh, case, my camera freezes on occasion because it thinks I gave access to things that I clearly have not given access to my webcam, and then it gets overloaded and freaks out. Something I talked about with uh, Jason last night is there are tiers of, of actors. There are actors that can transcend television and get into features, and they don't miss a beat, and they are obviously big-time movie stars. There are, there are people that just were immediately into the movies, and for them to have gone into television is kind of a step down. Then there are people who are just at the level of television actor, and that is all they're ever going to be. They're just not good enough to get the feature. Um, I bring that up because Danielle Pineda, I think, has had a lot of television roles. But for me, again, not I can't. I don't have a. I don't have a character to compare her to. Um, she, she has a handful of movie roles here, but um, I thought she was great in this. I enjoyed her character. Um, you know, the swearing got on my nerves after a while. I know that's crazy coming from me, but she seems like she was trying too hard. They wrote her as I, trying too hard. She's I, pointlessly vulgar. Yeah. I ahead, cannot unsee her as the girl from the last Jurassic World movie. You know, yeah, that's her. It's the millennial. Yeah. It's the millennial I, I, SJW. And I swear to God, it's like, I know she's been in other stuff. I know she's a decent actress, but that's all I see. Yeah, I was looking at her uh, IMDb here, but in any, in any case, I enjoyed her. I thought she has really great chemistry with John Cho. Um, did I have that right? No. Yeah, John uh, Cho. John Cho. Okay. Yes. Don't I shouldn't doubt myself. Yeah, I thought she had really good chemistry with John Cho. I thought she fit into the group really well. I my only my issue with her is her characterization, not her performance. I think she she's very lively on screen. The last thing I'll say as far as good things about this is for about half of it, it's it moves. You know, there's enough stuff going on. I, he, this is going to lead into my criticism, and that's why we're going to go around the table again, and I'll just stop myself here. My biggest issue with this show is when they were out just having fun going on adventures doing jobs, this show is great and moves mm -hmm. like, like a fantastic, upbeat song that gets me up boot-scooting around the room, dancing, starting mosh pitch with my son. When it got into the, the thick of the plot, you know, when it got into um, Spike having to deal with the syndicate, um, and, and Robert, this is what I, I know you're dying to talk about vicious and delicious, whatever his girlfriend's name was, um, Julia. <laughs> Julia, when it got into that, when it got into anything having to do with them, which I knew, are, I, which I've been told are not big parts of the anime, the show Oops. sucked diddly ox. It goes off the rails really quick, really quickly. And it never recovers. 
Um, so yeah, that back half where they're having to start to resolve things and they're getting into the meat of the plot. The meat of the plot wasn't interesting to me. And when they stopped going out and having adventures, it no longer became a fun show to watch. But Robert, before you tell me what, what's wrong with Vicious and Delicious in this show, what did you like about it, if anything? Uh, I can't hate the I can't hate the score for the most part. Uh, they got the same composer from the original anime to, and some of it they left wholesale, some of it they update, some of it's new. The music's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yoko Kano is basically the John Williams Hans Zimmer yeah. combined of anime music. Like 100%. everything she touches is well worth listening to. I've I've Absolutely. seen reviews of shows where they. Like I think like Brain Powered, which is a total nightmare, horrible trash heap of a show. Yeah, the review lies. says it's a horrible nightmare trash heap of the show, but the music's phenomenal. Stop reading this review right now. Go and buy the CD. Buy it now. Now go go. Uh, so, let's see or here. You can stream She's it live done... on Amazon Music Unlimited. Yes. Let's hear. She's done Darker Than Black, Macross Plus, Turn to Gundam, The Vision of uh, Escaflone, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, Wolves Rain. Kids on the Slope, Genesis of Aquarium, Terror and Renaissance. Resonance, yeah. Res- Resonance, thank you. Yeah. And that's just some of the ones that I'm reading off the top. I am not even about to start going through all of the movies, TVs, <laughs> video games. Mm-hmm. So, Robert, what else did you like so about much. this besides the score? Uh, Mustafa Shakir, mm. who plays Jet Black, is, I think, hands down the one actor who really gets the role. Okay. The others are hit and miss, both in their performance and in their characterization, uh, for a variety of reasons. This guy, Shakir nails Jet Black, like, Mm -hmm. perfectly. Uh, He gets the physical mannerisms down right. He gets the motivation correct, again, even though they change the character. He is, I I think, hands down, he is the standout. uh, His is the standout bit of casting and the standout bit of performance that came out of this show. Uh, Serious, serious kudos to that guy. Uh, great job. And I think that's the last kind of positive thing I have here. Okay. Uh, I should say, so, hang on, very briefly. Mm-hmm. There are episodes, I mentioned, there are episodes that are pretty good. Uh, Galileo Hustle's a really good, a really solid mm-hmm. one that has that. One of the only funny gags this show offers is Jet Black dancing along with, he's hollow, hollow projecting himself to his daughter's recital. And he's dancing in the... Like he's post officer, about, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's some kind of as you small as, shop. as you see in the background, Spike engaged in an epic uh, fist fight with a bunch of hitmen. Like that's funny. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only decent gags this show provides. Uh, the episode with the episode where we deal with Jet's backstory, where he reconnects with his old partner, finds out who really betrayed him. That's a pretty good episode. Classic film noir tropes. Sadly, and I say sadly in this case because this is a setting issue. I don't know why they decided that that needed to be set against a generic industrial complex when that's really supposed to be done in a much more lively setting. So mm-hmm. I, I disagree with that. But beyond that, I like his interplay with his partner. Like, there's a lot good in that episode. All right. Do me a favor. Talk briefly about why the whole Vicious and Julia thing is A, a departure from the, from the source, B, a terrible choice in the narrative. And then from there, we'll go into what you didn't like about it, David and Alexis, go Robert. Okay, so limiting my discussion at the moment to Vicious and Julia. Again, we all want to be out of here in an hour. I know, I know. Please breathe. (laughs) Vicious and and Julia feature in the anime very, very briefly. Vicious is an old enemy of Spike's. 
Spike also didn't change his name after the fact, but yeah, whatever. Vicious is... We see him very infrequently. He features in a couple of episodes, and he's kind of a blank slate as a character. He's very reserved, very composed, very intimidating in the quiet kind of way. Like, the guy gives off the vibes of being a coiled spring, like, like right below the surface. It's almost like the Joker if he didn't talk. A little bit, yeah. That's the vibe that this guy gives off. And he's an incredibly dangerous person to come up against. He's, a, he's not just a remorseless killer. He's very intelligent. He and good at it. He doesn't take over the syndicate by accident. His name is Vicious for a reason. 100%. Like, and he works in that, he works best because he is seen so infrequently. When you do see him, he's terrifying. Yeah, it's like, holy crap, Vicious is here. Someone's going to get dead. Yes. Like, what, um, what's the pro wrestling equivalent? Um, you heard the gong from The Undertaker's sure. entrance music? Sure, The Undertaker's dog hits. How about, how about Brock Lesnar's entrance music? Sure. Uh, pick one. Pick one. Mm-hmm. You know, the glass breaks and Stone Cold shows up. Like, sure. it's about, it's on. And Jared, right? It's gotten real. <laughs> yeah, that's what Vicious means when he shows mm-hmm. up. Vicious, if you watch the original anime, he's also the only thing that moves the plot forward. Spike doesn't want to deal with his past. He's frozen. He's existing, and he described it as a dream. He's never quite sure if he's awake or asleep. And then Vicious shows up and forces him mm-hmm. to do something about it. And it's what leads. It's why his final con- final confrontation between the two is so good because we know what he's capable of, and that's really all he needs to be. Julia is featured. They changed Julia entirely. Julia in the anime is a fellow captain in the syndicate. She's a badass in her own right. She she, she and Spike fall in love, but uh, it can never be for a variety of reasons, not because she's married to Vicious, that's a wholesale invention, so that we can get a domestic abuse public service announcement shoehorned into this thing. Uh, And she actually does, like when Spike tries to leave the syndicate, she straight up just stands him up. Like she chooses not to. Now she doesn't choose to be with Vicious, but she decides that she can't, she doesn't like, she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want her life to be on the run with Spike. And this crushes Spike's heart, and then he's shot and nearly killed, and yada, yada, yada. So Julia is reintroduced to the plot in the anime through a chance encounter with Faye. They literally just run into each other on a planet. Then after Vicious takes over, he has a vendetta against Julia, and she tries to leave the syndicate. So he has her killed before he even deals with Spike, when she dies near the end of the anime. So they have... Spoilers. Again, it's an almost 30-year-old property. I don't feel... Look, by the way... 12... I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but Luke blows up the Death Star. Go on. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. People out there. Macbeth dies. <laughs> <laughs> Not to spoil a 400-year-old play, you Do you ever watch. hear that, that, that um, Julius Caesar was betrayed by Brutus? Literally stabbed in the back. Do you know that or not? There, there were seriously people on Twitter complaining about discussion around Macbeth because it spoiled the movie. I, I have no time or patience for you idiots. <laughs> wow. So, Julia. <laughs> so, Cap Shield. So, point being, Vicious is a, is a violent, haunting specter from Spike's past that when their paths cross is what forces the action forward. 
Julia is a memory. She's a what if. She's someone mm -hmm. who broke his heart, but she's also her own character in that respect. And they work as figments of Spike's past because the show tries to create a dreamlike quality around Spike and what he's going through. And he's uh, there's a he's not sure he survived his exit from the syndicate. Th that's part of what he's going through is, you know, maybe I didn't survive and maybe this is just my brain trying to make sense of of what's going on as I die. Like that that's a thing he's dealing with here. They decided that because we're jacking every episode up to an hour, why don't we expand on these characters who actually are designed to work as memories, as hallucinations, as the boogeyman? And the result is you turn Vicious into a whiny, pathetic, incompetent man-child. And With Julia... Daddy issues. Hey, sure. I want to interject something here because you, you brought up Joss Whedon and I want to talk about Joss Whedon. I want to talk about Greg Berlanti because I because I'm noticing with something you just said, and this is why I'm dovetailing off of that. And then I'll then I'll see the floor back to you. There is an element of television, soapy television creation, where there there's a lot of melodrama, sometimes very often, and that is the point that I'm making, needless melodrama out of what we're doing with some of these characters. And it is we don't know a very common theme in anything Greg Berlanti has done, not just the the DC stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like I'm watching you also, and it's it's there. It's like everything Greg Berlanti touches. And I'm it's wondering if, like, you know, we we joke about George Lucas and what he did to the film industry. He's you know, film's greatest monster. You brought up Joss Whedon. I'm wondering if there's like the Berlanti effect to where it's like. It's just bled into all of television where people think what we really need to do to hook Johnny Lunchpail and his girlfriend to get him on the couch for 12 hours to watch all this stuff is needless melodrama because that's what the people will connect with. Needless melodrama and endless Dutch angles. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, look, Netflix, I know you had to pinch some pennies down the stretch, but you could have fixed the tripod for all the scenes where they had to shoot... <laughs> Vicious and Julia. Um, hey, at least they didn't do shaky cam. Thank God. Sure. Uh, and I think you're right. You're probably right about that. Look, it, it's a cheap trick that hack writers can use. Well, we want to expand this character, but we don't want to put effort into this, and we don't have source material to draw on. So we, we, can't, we can't crib from better writers. So what are we going to do? I know. Melodrama. Hmm. Yay. Even though I'm just going to say it, if the the penultimate episode where we get Spike's backstory, oh god, I I think if you look at it, at, if think if it was just a separate plot for a whole other story and not related to these characters at all, I thought it would have been enjoyable. I there's two problems with that episode. Uh, one, we know one, it's total BS compared to the source material. But no, no, no I, I'll even set that aside. Like, okay, taken on its own terms, that should have been episode eight. Not episode nine. Yeah, they should have swapped Agreed. those two episodes. So mm. first problem, it's out of it's out of order narratively, because putting that episode after Vicious's coup means that the reveal that one of his one of the Yakuza bosses was his father means nothing. Right. Absolutely nothing. It's a cheap twist. It's the cheapest of cheap twists. That's a J.J. Abrams level crap move. Uh, the other problem with that. They don't write Vicious as being in, like, 
I, I have to give he comes some, across as petulant, not intimidating. I have to give some blame to the actor here, and, and like, I don't know. Okay, I don't know actor or director. I don't know how you can be wooden and choose scenery at the same time, but <laughs> God bless you, you pulled it off. Oh, he I tried. Know how... He gave it his best. Robert, I know exactly how you can blame it. Most a lot of these episodes were written by Christopher Yost. I know. Like, look, look, look if you look Christopher at Christopher Yost wrote uh, Robert's least favorite Marvel movie, FYI. Hey, you, you've seen him before. He's translucent in The Boys. <laughs> a lot of television credits, not a lot of. Oh, he's in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Wow. I um, wish him good luck. I assume he will be playing Macduff, so he gets to murder Denzel Washington. Wrap up so we can get to David and then Alexis. Okay, what you did to Julia. I don't know why you decided that Julia needed to turn into... Karen Carter? Say... No, stop. Let me finish. I don't know. I, I can't even say Kmart anymore because they don't exist. I don't know why you decided this this character needed to be the discounted for damage blue light special at your local Goodwill version of Skylar White. But hey, that's a choice. Oh, from Breaking Bad. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Oh. Tell me I'm just, wrong. That's all coming clear now. Ah, my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me I'm wrong. Nope. The, the truth hurts. Physically. Mentally. Ow. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't do a wire reference. <laughs> I don't have a wire reference. The wire is a much better written television show than this yeah, one is. Nobody's as bad as Julia on the wire. That's not a fanboy saying it. There's just no. No, but they're, Skylar they're, White, dead on. All right, go. Uh, look, so again, I think that's the problem. I think putting okay. the two of them together for their terrible, terrible sequences was just a horrible mistake. The guy who plays Vicious, again, I don't know how much of this was him. I don't know how much of this was the director. But that's if, if you think of, John Cho was too old. This isn't. Right. Look, I, I can't get off to the guy's age, mostly because the white hair does make that a bit otter but they don't he's actually give him younger a... than john cho he's all he was he's uh 41 i think right. everyone on this show is younger than john cho <laughs> david is there anything Ex okay about... except for uh denethor is there is there any oh, wow um is there anything on this show that you didn't like or didn't work for you in like 50 words or less uh yeah like i i would I'd agree with you, Mark, that the show works best when they're just out and about doing bounty hunter hijinks in the yeah. in the universe. It's like, supposed to be like, an episodic show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and sure, like there is a bit of continuity between episodes in the in the anime with the vicious mm -hmm. and Julie stuff, but that's sort of very spaced out and like a very small part of of the yeah, overall. It's a major part show. of this, and it drags the entire thing down. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of getting around. To, I, I think they just think, well, it's you know, if people are going to binge this, so it has to have a season long story because things have to have that, and it's something that I really wish we could get away from. Certainly, at times, yes, you know, it's good to mm -hmm. have a season long story arc, but you don't need that in everything. <clears throat> Star Trek, excuse me, something <laughs> in my throat there. Uh, you know, like it, you could just make a bunch of of episodes that that just work on their own and just have them, you know, be together in the same show. Like it's worked for decades of television. You know, like it, it, you, know, you don't, it, it's not like we haven't evolved past that. It's just, we have a new format that works better with, or can, can, can do serialized stories. I think that's better. a really good point, David. I think when they're, when they're in development for a lot of these shows that people feel 
they once they're told, well, it's going to be a Netflix show. Oh, okay, so we have to make a book instead of a television show. Yeah, and so you don't not, not you just can a make book. it whatever you want it to be. Not just a book, but a thriller. Like yeah. part of what makes a good thriller is something that keeps you turning the page. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like we can't have Vicious just show up at the end of the show. How will the audience know who he is or that he's important? It's like they did it in the freaking anime. Like he doesn't show up until like the fifth episode, and then he's pretty much gone till like halfway through the show. Like it's okay. It's be okay. He's a badass guy from Spike's from Spike's past. This is someone who can legitimately kill him and everyone he cares about. Like you know, mm-hmm. Vicious is not a deep character. It doesn't have to be a deep nope. character. We don't, I, and you know, it's much like the Joker in uh, The Dark Knight. We don't need to know his backstory. Right. Just as a point of reference, because Alexis was like, well, do you guys like anything? John Bernthal. I didn't say that. (laughs) John, I I was cutting to the chase. Um, John Bernthal. Say that to to someone else on the network, not to these guys. uh, Season two of The Punisher, like four episodes. And most of what he does is in the first two, you know, but he's the best part of season two. Easily. The worst part. All right, um, Alexis, uh, anything you didn't like about the show? Any criticisms you want to make of the craft? Yeah, the pacing, you guys are right. The pacing on this show is really horrible. I'll admit, I mean, for one, the one thing that popped out the most was that we get an episode where uh, Julia figures out that uh, Fearless Spike is alive. And I do kind of like how she's able to put, you know, two and two together. But then we have a whole other episode where she doesn't appear. And then the next episode after that, all of a sudden, we've got her storming into uh, the one jazz nightclub with, what's her name, Anna, saying, like, he's alive and you didn't tell me. And I'm just like, that was two episodes ago. Where the hell have you been? You know, I I hate it when shows do that. You know, it's like, yes, I understand that you've got some other stuff to go on, but you cannot keep that level of involvement and excitement and then not have anything come of it for the next episode we're going to lose interest and wonder why this wasn't tackled immediately and yeah i'm just going to say it there are certain parts of any anime that are not going to translate well when you put them to an american audience seeing radical ed last second i was going to save that but go on please Ed is a very bizarre character. She, mm-hmm. she, she's a cartoon character. There is no other way to say it. She, she is the like she would have fit with next to Bugs Bunny. Like that's yeah. the kind of cartoon character Radical Ed is. Yeah, she is yeah. the most Japanese thing in Cowboy Bebop. And exactly. I think Ed, Ed is probably the most popular character in Cowboy Bebop in Japan. And that and mind uh, I'll just think this in right now. Cowboy Bebop is not a popular show in Japan. Like almost nobody knows it. Like the only place I've ever seen it is like at, at pachinko parlors like that's mm-hmm. where most of the anime you see over in you know the west is shown like like the there's just not other than like the big shonen shows like your demon slayers your one pieces yeah like escaflone cowboy bebop those those are not big name shows over in japan like my wife didn't know about cowboy bebop until i showed it to her and that's part of the reason why it's it actually just done so well here in america is that it's one of the few animes that does not rely heavily on Japanese tropes, stereotypes, character, and writing styles. Yeah, it would be. So it's, it's, of, of all the anime, it's probably the easiest to adapt into a Western live-action format. Exactly, and then Ed shows up at the end. As Ed and, as Ed can be. And yeah, the fact is that I I said throughout most of the thing I said if you look at this as a completely separate entity from the anime, it's enjoyable. Not great. Not groundbreaking. 
not going to change anyone's life, but enjoyable. And then Ed shows up, and I'm sitting there going, WT. Flip ask. Yeah, yeah all, it's like all, I, all I, the things to perfectly adapt to screen. That was the one thing they chose. It's just so. I mean, again, it's like I know that they were hinting the name Radical Ed came high, and here's Radical Cleo. There is Radical <laughs> Cleo rolling over on me. Had been dropped a couple of times, and then she just shows up at the end, acting with she does. She's got Ein with her. By the way, I actually flipped them off when they left Ein behind. I was like, "You do not do that to the yeah. dog." Like, yeah, that bothered me. <laughs> yeah, not Ein. Yeah, you don't do that to puppies. Yeah. Right? I think halfway yeah. through the show, there was kind of like they did like the crew breaks up, and then of course they get back together again. And then that, look, that's what we're, that's the whole point of the ending here. It's the whole point. I'm convinced that's why they gave Jed a daughter so that you know, she can be menaced by Vicious, so that he can be pissed mm -hmm. at Spike, so they can break up, and then it's, we can do two episodes. Oh, that was heartbreaking. The kidnapping of the daughter is way hackneyed, and I wish writers would get on a tool to help them with better ideas other than they kidnapped my daughter because I've literally seen it like a dozen shows. And I know, Robert Winfrey, I am aware of the kind of tools that can help for better writing. Do you know what they are? For something like this, I imagine a hammer to the head would be a... Uh... You're correct. It's Grammarly for you <laughs> listeners. Grammarly does not track tropes. It should, but it doesn't. <laughs> uh, for you listeners of TV Party Tonight on the Rattle Engine Broadcasting Network, brought to you by WTM, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on... Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Uh, Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. Do download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Alexa, starting with you, then Dave, and then cleaning up with Robert, and then we're into plugs. Any last licks, things we haven't talked about, burning desires, go. This is not the best Netflix anime adaptation. It's not even the best anime adaptation. But there is, I, I've mentioned this before on various shows, that there's nothing about it that I say is just wholeheartedly wrong except for the pacing on it. Truth is, it's not terrible, but do yourself a favor. Just go check out the original anime if you haven't seen it. It's... Like I said, it is one of the best, and it's not too overly long or complicated, so it's not going to drain your life force. Like if you try to sit down and watch all of One Piece or Dragon Ball Z. What if you if you do want to watch One Piece? My my suggestion: look up, find an app, find like I think the wiki has it. It'll tell you which episodes are filler, and it's not nearly as bad to get through the anime if you know which episodes you can literally just skip over. But still, One Piece is, uh, they hit chapter, what? What was it? They What was their chapter? They hit, like, chapter 1,000 not too long ago? Was yeah, there's it? over 1,000 episodes now. It's, yeah. yeah, it's... No, 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 I mean, I mean, not the anime. I mean the manga. Like, they hit some oh, giant... Yeah, I don't know. Because that thing's been it. God bless you, Oda, for telling that same story for two decades and for keeping so many people entertained. Not a joke. That thing started publication in, like, the late, uh, the 90s. I want to say late 90s. And it's finally getting close to wrapping up. It'll probably surpass Batman as the best-selling comic of all, like second best-selling comic of all time. It's already number three. You mean it wasn't Ms. Marvel? That's a joke, everyone. That's a joke. Ms. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no Pinkie Pie snare drum? Uh, 
you get mad every time I do that. So, and, and I wasn't, and, and I didn't know I was going to make that joke. So I, I wasn't at the ready. Alexa, all I'm going to end my critique is saying that anyone who says that Eddie here shouldn't have had the role of Ayn, don't be, you know, racist against tricolors. Speaking of racism against tricolors, David, any last they try to Hey, weren't they going to try to make Ayn a husky at one point? There was a rumor. There was a rumor. There was an article. I heard husky. I heard bulldog. And it was Black never, Lab. Yeah, it was never confirmed. There was never a source that said, oh, yeah, we were considering it. The video came out. It actually was a really cute video that they had a table read with all the actors. And then uh, the dog who was playing Ayn just sat up at the table and was drinking a bowl of water from it. And uh, instead of doing the table read, everyone's just talking about how cute the dog is. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very cute little promo. And, yeah, I actually posted a thing on my company's website when – uh, they announced they were going to, when they were announced they were doing, took a picture of Eddie. I'm like, what do you think? Should Eddie get the role? And someone said, he's the wrong colors. And I said, don't be racist. <laughs> it's like, have, have you seen Netflix with everything original else, programming? With everything else they changed about the show, they could have made Ina tricolor without any problems. Yeah, you could have had the role, couldn't you, buddy? <laughs> I can't behave for long enough to do it, but I could have tried. <laughs> David, I am dying for you to interject here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me too. But, uh, just yeah, like, I, I think it, it could have it would have benefited a bit more from setting things up a bit. Like, like the whole Jet's daughter being kidnapped that just came right out of nowhere. Like, you know, like give give us a scene where like Vicious has the syndicate do surveillance on Spike and they find out about Jet and Faye and and that's like, yo, we need to lure Fearless into our trap. It's like, well, how are we going to do that? He's too savvy. It's like, well, you said his friend has a daughter. I say it's time for a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, I don't know like that. They... So we actually know like, okay, this is how they, they did that. Mm. I don't know yeah. how they made a child abduction that was more random than the first lethal weapons, but Hey, oh, Robert, I forgot to ask actually. And you too, David said you guys are more familiar. Didn't they get punch and Judy pretty accurate? Oh, yeah. uh, oh big okay. shot. Yeah. That was, 100%. that was near perfection. That was 100%. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. More of that. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when they they're kind of just trying to do just live action cowboy bebop without being too smart for them their own good, I think the show works out very well. And like you know, I I judge my entertainment. We were talking about standards at the start. You know, I, I watch entertainment to be entertained. So if I am entertained, it's good entertainment. Yeah, that, that it, all it's, follows it's, logically, sir. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you know, it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of like saying like I want you to to tell me how good this comedy is, but you can't talk about how funny. You know, I, I uh, just just to that point, just because I know it's come up. Recently. I was like, I'm so tired of people who judge horror movies based on how scary they are. I, I here's the thing: I can certainly appreciate. I saw thing, thing made me happy. Thing is good. Like, look, as an opinion, and as far as opinion goes, that's fine. I don't, I don't get into like fistfights with people over that. It's when I'm being. It's when someone is telling me. This thing I saw made me really happy, and therefore you must like it too. And when I go, I don't, and then it's like. I don't understand your whole approach to entertainment then. It's like, just leave me what? alone. But I just, you know, I have my own standards and you yeah. have yours and live and let it's live. It's right about then you get accused of hate speech and how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> how yeah, dare you not. Uh, yeah. How dare yeah. you attack I, me like this. Yeah. And I tend to, pro to, to move away from like really dark, depressing stuff because that's what the six o'clock news is for. Uh, but. But yeah, and then certainly I, I do like it when entertainment can rise above the level of mere entertainment, but I'm not going to knock it for 
not doing that. If it does do more, great, fantastic, classic mm. stuff. But if not, then, hey, you know, I watched 10 episodes of a show for 10 episodes. I was happy. Hooray, mission accomplished. <laughs> right. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I would say going forward, my what I would say for what they could do with the show is, yeah, don't focus so much on season long story arcs. I think they said that if they get a second season, they want to do like the Vincent, the villain from the movie as the big bad is just, you know, just no, like, I mean, you can do that story if you must, but like, just, you know, you seem, they seem to have a grasp on the universe itself. There was so just go was out and tell your own stories in that universe. There once was a time where season structures ran a story for two to three episodes and then you moved on to something else. That wouldn't be bad. It's 10 episodes to tell your story is driving me, just like you said, driving me a little insane. Yeah, like I think they got the the spaceships were really well done, like the mm -hmm. design and the, the the effects on it. It would be nice if they could actually have some, do like one episode where we get something focused on that, like you know, get a dogfight or something space which exist in the which exist in the source material. There's yeah. some wonderful dogfights, and again, yeah. they drew they drew those by hand. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like I I'm sure like you anything know, Top Gun gave us. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, All uh, right. I, I'm just going to pretend you didn't now. say that. But, uh, uh, okay, hang on. I mean purely in terms of uh, followable, uh, of like uh, dog, again, purely in terms of dog fighting. Top okay, Gun we, is in We will revisit this in May. We hope. <laughs> that, uh, movie is, that movie is never going to get, that movie is, that, uh, they need to just cut their losses and put that stupid thing on DVD already. I, I'm expecting to go and see Top Gun Maverick after Top Gun 3 is released in theaters. Well, if it follows what but, they've been uh, doing with their that, animated that, features, it'll just end up on Paramount Plus. Yeah. But any, but anyway, right, so back to back on topic here. Uh, yes. But so, like, I, like I'm sure, like they had limited budget for the first season. So if they can get a bit more money for the next time around, it would be nice just to get one nice, cool spaceship fight yeah. episode. Uh, you know, Jet's hammerhead ship that was not in the show. It'd be nice yeah, if maybe they, they could do a story where he gets that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's. I mean, that's more of a me thing. I like spaceships. And uh, yeah, they, I would say drop. Yeah. 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 This, 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 this section over here, there it is. But yeah. And the, uh, that, that, that's the sci-fi shelf. Yeah. But, uh, but the, um, well, well, cause, 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 cause Robert, you know, glitched out now, now my positioning's all messed up, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I would say skip Vicious and Julia. Like, if you're going to have Julia as the new head of the syndicate, let that lie fallow for a season. And then if you do a season three, maybe bring her back in as and introduce the new syndicate. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Vicious, I think we don't need to see Vicious anymore, yeah. this this version. And, uh, and, and yeah, like they need to have an emergency meeting on how they're going to fix Ed because... Yeah, I, I, and and no, no, nothing against the girl that they had doing it. No. She she went in there. She was Ed. Like she was Ed as Ed can be. Like was that you a know, girl or a guy? I'm pretty sure it's a girl. Okay, yeah, it, it's the actress. Me, yeah, because yeah. on uh, Wikipedia, Eden they, Perkins. Eden's actually a gender neutral name. Well, keep um, go. go ahead. All right, thank yeah, you, David. So, yeah. Okay, Robert. Um, like fifty words or less. Take me home, baby doll. Any burning desires? Go. Uh, I'm going to have to give you a little bit more than 50 words, but I will keep it brief. Uh, I'm going to second, you have to fix Ed. You like uh, that clip floated around on Twitter before the show dropped. And it looks like a bad YouTube skit. 
It really, really does. It's terrible. I'm not going to throw shade at the actress. because Mostly because if the director shows you Ed as your source material, or you've seen it before, and then says, do this, I can't get mad at her for doing her best to do that. Yeah, I did it, feel that she she is a, a fan of the show and she likes Ed, so she was she was being Ed, and you know she was Ed. As a director, as a create as the creative team, you just have to know that Ed can't work in real life the way Ed is in the anime. There's stuff in animated form that is funny and quirky and endearing that in real life is, pardon my use of the word because I don't like this word, but cringy and rage inducing. I, I look at that version of I look at the version of Ed in the anime, and okay, you're a free spirit, you're a little bit out there, but you're endearing. The clip we got here makes me wonder why someone hasn't shot you yet. Yeah, this is like the worst possible post credits Marvel reveal you could ever imagine. Hundred percent. If may I, I have an idea, and I want to hear what you guys think. What if Ed, instead of actually being a person, was kind of an AI program? That, that could work. But I you think know, they would yeah, still acting all goofy, still acting all goofy and everything because whoever had programmed it had put their personality in it. Right. Hey, so kind of, I'm sorry, I'm I I, I thought okay. you were done, and I just wanted to just jump this in there so we can get past it. So the actor, um, the actor, the player in this role is Eden Perkins, and according to what I can find on short notice, Perkins is a non-binary actor. She um, I, she is, but she uses the she pronouns. Um, da, 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 not that surprising. Ed was always kind of an Ed's an Ed, icon. Ed is an icon for non-binary. Hang on, no, I got to correct Robert. Perkins also asked that people use them they when talking oh. about this person. All right, uh, so well, there we are. I'm probably not going to do that, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, same thing with the uh, actor who played Gren, Mason Alexander oh, Park. Uh, they use uh, non-binary. Uh, I don't. I, I was not going to talk about that, but so I, you were talking about radical Ed. Yeah, Ed needs to Ed needs to be fixed. That's that's not a sustainable character to have in your television show, as far as presentation goes. It's it's just not. And you, showrunner, should have been smart enough to figure that out well in advance. Well, they were smart enough to keep Ed out of the show until the very end, because yeah, Ed, Ed is the point where I think a lot of the people that you know. The people that, you know, this is an anime for people who don't like anime. It is the most anime thing in the show. And yeah, that's kind of where people jump ship. I know like with our, our good friend, Andrew, that was, I, I tried getting him into Cowboy Bebop back in the day. And once, once Ed showed up, he was just, I, I can't doubt. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like doing Christopher Nolan's Batman and then trying to bring in like Burt Ward era Robin to work with it. You know, it's like you've established. Cesar, Rome is... Cesar Romero in place of Heath Ledger. Okay. You know it even better. Yeah. It's like, if Actually, I wouldn't mind with... seeing that, but sure. It'd be funny, but. Like you've got to be weird. You got to be weird. Yeah, it's like the to uh, the two tones just do not blend. Yeah, I don't want grimdark Ed, but we need a bit more grounded Ed. Ed. Still kind of silly and crazy and not all together there. You, but that's why I said make Ed an AI. You can have Ed, it's like mm -hmm. the idea. It's like it's a hacker. It's like it's not just a hacker. It's a computer. I all actually I, thought that would be kind of a clever idea. All I'm thinking right now is Christopher Nolan's Batman. Keep everybody but change Catwoman to Eartha Kit. 
You know, it's like, oh, oh Batman, oh, no, da, da. perfect. Speaking uh, of yeah, Catwoman, did you know the voice? <laughs> speaking of Catwoman, do you know the voice actress from the uh, Batman the Animated Series who voiced Catwoman was in this show? Adrian Barbo is Maria Murdoch, the eco uh, fascist. Oh, cool. Yeah, the, the woman with the crazy hat who turned people into trees. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the voice of Catwoman. All right, wrap cool. up, Robert. All right. I have to address a couple of things, very, and these are. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, again, I can be brief. Robert wrapping up. Well, okay. Let me get to my list. Look, I... Yeah, we, we need those I, dot matrix sheets that are all, like, you know, bound together. You, on, you, need, you need to find one of those, Mark. I, I have a printer that will print those. <laughs> just, oh, just waiting for, one day, he's going to be like, in my final words on this, and then just brings out a scroll. <laughs> and then you just hear the print matrix like... Dur, 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 dur. I, don't do, I don't do prop work like that. I... Uh, Okay, one of these things. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about Gren because assuming there's not Gren, much to say. If Gren there's gets not much Gren, if Gren gets something to do in the second season, we can talk about the differences to the character, how that's changed, the, why they might have changed it. Because changing Gren, I think, was a mistake. But I'm willing to let that play out. The entire jazz club sequence that is owned. I don't know why the showrunner looked at Gotham and thought that was a good thing to draw inspiration <laughs> from, but I, I don't. I hated that. I absolutely hated that. Uh, I think I heard someone else say to it, it's like Gotham, but worse. <laughs> I don't know, say something. Um, lastly, the fight choreography in this. The choreography itself is iffy. In some cases, it's not good. Vicious's assault on the elders of the syndicate is not good. It is not well put together at all. Is it because you think it's unreadable? Or when you say not good, that's Hang a bit on. vague. I, I know. Let me. I'll get to why in a second. I'll get okay. to more specifics. Because when I say, like I said, when I say it's not good, there's a there's a variety of ways it can be not good. Some of it can just not be very well choreographed from the beginning, where if you put two people who are masters of the art doing it, it still looks like crap. That, I think, again, Vitress's assault is just, it's poorly choreographed by people who wanted to do a samurai-style attack, but hadn't actually seen a samurai movie. Okay. Like it's, it's just badly set up. Poor imitation. It, it, it was obvious that the actor had no training in how to use hundred hundred percent that poor actor is it over stylized is your issue or is it just that's not what sword fights look like partially that's not what sword fights look like that's not what stylized sword fights look like the Mm -hmm. actor has no master there's no can look when denai guevara guerrera in the walking dead did what she did to her body to get ready to be michonne because michonne is a master of the, the katana she talks about what happened like, that's a weapon that will kick your butt. I mean, David has more experience with it than I do, but please feel Thank free you. to correct me. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a very good sword. And yeah, it takes some training to use it correctly. And it's a lot it, of training. A lot. And the actor, like, the actor took two classes that were taught to him by the stunt coordinator. Like, that's what it looks like. It looks like the first time you get a kid who's supposed to be learning a weapon. And you show them like the basics of movement, and they start trying to go through stuff. Like that's what it looks like. It looks terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, he's he's an actor, not a not a fighter. Like, I you know. But to Robert's point, if you want to put bland, eye catching, act, you know, general audience pleasing action in there, 
there there's an appreciation of that, but you're gonna you're gonna catch crap from people who actually know what fighting looks like. And even, you know, which master do you want to serve? Look, uh, even if you even if it's not meant to look real, and of course mm -hmm. it's not, he's surrounded by people with spears, and he has a sword. This goes badly for the sword wielder ten times out of ten. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's not stylized enough to make up for that. Like okay. it's walking this weird line. So, so it's bland. That, it's very bland. Okay. It's very wooden. And the wooden stuff is the big problem I have with uh, every single one of Spike's fights. If you watch Spike's fights in the anime, he's very much influenced by Bruce Lee. Yeah, he does not surprising. pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's his that's the martial art he's his fighting style is based on he is very smooth very fluid yeah. very mm -hmm. continuous yeah like i uh, wouldn't show i wouldn't recommend like i i can't really remember any of the choreography from the show i mean it was there to say that you know they're fighting but like if, if i was to try and get someone into choreography through cowboy bebop i would say like you know, watch the movie watch the fight with spike and electra in the in the hallway where he's like you know the janitor yeah. with the broom like that oh, is a, that, that is a scene. that is a cool fight like and that's something i remember but yeah it was all very utilitarian fighting like yeah we have to have a fight scene here and there's a fight scene oh now people are dead plot i think I, I think it's pretty telling that the action scene they use all the time in the opening credits is the scene of uh him doing the flip kick with the quarter which was which was i thought was cool but again mm -hmm. that's the that's the trick that they that's the only fighting uh, clip that they use in the entire credit scene. And it's pretty damn obvious why. Here's, it's the best looking one. Here's how, if you want to know how badly some of these other fight scenes are choreographed, if you want to rewatch this, here's a trick. If you can see only the actor's limbs, you're not looking at the actor, you're looking at a stunt double. If you can see the actor, but not their feet, you're looking at a series of badly shot takes. The entire fight between Spike and Faye when she shows up is cut to hell, and you never see someone's head move with their feet. Okay, so as a point of comparison, for people, either any one of the first two John Wick movies or the hallway Daredevil season one fight scene is look, an look, example of what Robert's talking about, where you can actually see the actor doing the fight choreography and not edited to crap or stunt doubles or what have you. You don't even, you don't even necessarily have to go like, necessarily uh um you know full-on like single take style shot mm -hmm. um if you want a better example of what spike's fight should look like i recommend you watch the raid where and every bit of that fight choreography it that's the feel every time john cho fights because he's a senior citizen almost <laughs> Well, he's, he's 15 years away, man. John Jones yeah, may wheeled in from Florida. Thanks, Robert. We're not that far off aging. from there, dude. And I'm happy to take that criticism. I'm not going to fix my camera. Again, I don't want to get... Uh, I'm just not going to mess around. I don't know what it's... Go! Doing. Talk! Uh, actually, hang on. No, I have, I have to because I have to demonstrate part of this for the video audience. So, just a second. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I'm I, sure I, they're getting bored watching me just pet Eddie and Cleo and having them fight in the background. I like, that was yeah, adorable. I'm sorry? That was adorable. That's what they do after they finally wake up from their afternoon evening nap. Right. It's like, okay, now it's time to play. Hi. No, John, John Cho, whenever he does any of these fighting, it's all wooden. Like, he's clearly got a degree of skill in the martial arts. He's not as bad as the guy playing Vicious. So I give him that credit. 
but he's still someone throws a punch and I block and then I stop. And then, if I remember correctly, he did most of the fighting sequences for uh, when he played Sulu in the Star Trek movies. I, I know he trained in fencing for that. He's probably a better swordsman than he is martial artist and uh, unarmed combatant. Uh, it, it helps that most of the stuff with Sulu was either far away or, you know, again, all swordplay. Because weapon choreography is very, very different. You actually want a different flow to weapon choreography than you do to hand fighting. All the hand fighting, it, again, it's it's wooden. It's blocky. It's done at a very, very, like almost stupidly sedate pace. It's uninteresting. It's cut to hell. It's not good. There's any number of reasons and any number of places you can find this problem throughout the series. It's just not good. The gunplay. The directors here seem to have watched a highlight reel of one John Woo movie and decided that this was a good thing to imitate. I wish they'd have gone. I actually wish they'd have gone more into the John Woo style. John Woo, if you were to like fantasy cast a director for this stuff, he'd be the guy. He'd be the guy who gets the gunplay, who gets the stylized action. Like, and instead, we get something not very good. All right, my last point, and this is a big style critique, so I'm, I'm going to try to be quick. The dialogue for this show has the pacing of a Seinfeld episode with the. Uh, with the pros choice of Joss Whedon. Where is it, it is, on the reference scale? It's not quite on the reference scale, but <laughs> rewatch any number of these episodes and tell me they're not pausing for laugh tracks that aren't there. <laughs> okay. And hey, I still like the line, I'm layered like nachos. And mm. this is part of the problem with the Whedon school of dialogue writing. There's individual instances where it works all right. And, but when you ask an entire cast to carry that, it falls apart. Uh, and look, this is not to say anything about Whedon as a person who I've thought was a scumbag since long before the accusations against him came out. Oh, by the way, Joss, everybody with half a brain cell knows Angels better than Buffy anyway, as far as television series goes. Oh, for God's sake. I had to poke that bear just because I do. Rawr. Consider it poked. You just lost what few viewers we have left. <laughs> now they look, they know I'm right. We have discerning <laughs> listeners. But asking the again, asking the entire cast and the writing of these characters to be written in that way is, is it doesn't work. It Faye Valentine spends 80% of this series being grading. Like you don't want her on screen. Now the other fifteen percent of the time, when the actor, when the writers get out of their own way and they give her stuff to actually do, and she's allowed to be emotionally resonant as a character, it works. She's she's a good enough actress to pull this off. And some of the like her interactions with Whitney are all great. Notice in no small part because they are not necessarily written in that same style. That whole episode isn't written in that style. And it bears and it bears the hallmarks of everything good about what this show could have been. Yeah, whoever wrote those that episode, get them to write more. There, there's two writers for this show. Hang on, let me find their names because I want I. Well, yeah, it's want, Christopher Yost and actually, there's a couple. We got there, Christopher Yost, Sean Cummings, uh, Jennifer Johnson, Javier Grillier. I'm not okay. Gonna pronounce last hang name, on, dude. here's here's the two that you need to care about. I think these are the only two who actually get Bebop and who are able to kind of make this thing work. You have 
uh, Carl Taro Greenfeld, Taro Greenfeld, who wrote uh, the bi- who was responsible for the binary two step, and Alexandra Hartman, who wrote Galileo Hustle. For those who don't remember the names of these binary two step is where Spike gets trapped in the virtual reality mm-hmm. snare. Galileo Hustle is when we have uh, the step the the mom character. Uh, show up Dude, the best villain in this entire show is from that episode it's the mink he's <laughs> hilarious hilariously uh, bad russian accent let's admit course. that i'm not saying he's a bad villain but let's no, face no. it the russian accent was worse than half the shit we got in black widow yeah uh, I, it, I feel like it was supposed like it's deliberate at that point like it, I, I actually like the accent work in bebop as a general rule because it's set so far in the future that it's supposed to be wonky uh, but look, that uh, yeah, the mink was the mink was great. I I liked that episode. Uh, I, I didn't dislike Binary Two Step. Um, it's a yeah, my bit only issue was when they had Spike with the the you know the the virtual Julia, you know who who tells him you know, I don't want to be with you as part of the you know, computer's master yeah. plan, and he's like I don't care. You're coming with me anyway. And then we fast forward to the last episode where oh, Julia is like. You know, why didn't you come after me? It's like, well, Vicious said you ditched me. And she's like, you believed him? It's like, well, how come in Spike's brain, nothing in the universe would stop him from going after Julia? But yet in reality, so we can have the heel turn at the end, you know, he's just like, oh, Vicious said she wasn't interested anymore. So I'm, 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 I'm abandoning her. I was going to say, I thought it would have been better if there was more. He found out that if he got near her, she found he was alive, then there'd be a, he would kill her. Or something like that. It was just like I was so scared, that, you know, that he would kill you. That whole ending is yeah. the worst. Yeah, or vicious manipulated Julia into faking breaking up with yeah, but Spike. Then, like I got look, a sniper on him. If you don't break up with him, we're gonna pull the trigger. But then Vicious would have to be a competent character, and we can't yeah. have that in this show. He's gotta be Joffrey. Yeah, like I was, I was okay with the concept of Julia's heel turn at the end, but once they added in that, no, Spike's in Spike's mind would have gone after her. That's yeah. where it all falls apart. Because when she was like, "Yeah, like you, you, you didn't come after me. You left me to be married to this asshole for three years, who's been psychologically abusing me. Now, really, the only future I have left is either die or be head of the syndicate. I'm going with head of the syndicate. Screw all you." I actually get her character turned a little bit more than that, especially when you yeah. get the earlier episode where. He, where uh, the elders tell uh, Vicious to kill her, and he's like, "Oh, I knew the gun was uh, wasn't loaded." And she's like, "I don't fucking care." It's like, yeah, that I actually again, they did a horrible job with adapting her from that, but I do like that the character development from there that she goes, she's just so done with being the battered wife. I'm okay with that. I, I, my issue with her heel turn is more, she says to Spike, hey, come rule the syndicate with me. And he goes, you know, I'm trying to be a better person these days. I don't like killing people. And she goes, how dare you turn on me again? Like, yeah, they, they, needed, they needed to flesh that out, which is ironic because we've been complaining about how they added too much with Vicious and Julia. They but, added yeah. the wrong stuff with them. Like, if you want to flesh those characters out, which, again, I think is a terrible decision to begin with, but then to do it the way you did is just compounding failures. They just wanted some more villains. I, or not more villains, but they wanted stronger villains. They wanted villains that were more complex. And 
for the record, again, I'm not a huge fan of the, of, uh, the guy who plays Vicious, but I do really like the uh, scene in the penultimate episode when after he knows he's marked for death and he's given that speech about how his father forced him to watch his mother commit suicide. That was well done scene. You know, he's, he's doing this the whole time with Spike behind him. Spike has been told to kill him. He doesn't know this. I thought it was a good scene. Yeah, it I think it's a very it's, well-written speech. Yeah, I don't think the problem is bad actor. I think it was just bad writing, bad character. It's ba it's bad writing and it's bad direction, and that's kind of the story of this whole sad show. It's written by people who have a poor understanding of the material they're adapting, whose stylistic choices in adapting it lend themselves to being just grating more often than not. And you're wasting mostly talented actors along the yeah. way. And yeah, I think when, when this show gets it, it's great. But when it doesn't, that's it's so, amateur hour. That's what's so frustrating to me about this show more than anything else. There's a handful of moments in this show where everything does click. When we get away from the Whedonisms, but we still have the banter and the relationship between the characters. When we're not bogged down with your crappy Game of Thrones knockoff intrigue surrounding vicious and julia and we just get the crew in their episodic format and it all works like this could have been everything it should the potential was there and it just never for any number of reasons again writing direction netflix mandates about stuff i don't know uh i mean i'm fairly convinced that they turned Faye into uh, a lesbian character just to get 2021 cred, which is ironic considering how, look, the original anime is ludicrously inclusive. Every sexual orientation, every religion, every, like, everything is in it. Uh, because the, uh, the creator decided that if everybody gets off of Earth, then everything proliferates out in the stars. So you're going to run into everything. So he included everything. This is one of the few, like, IPs from the 90s that you don't need to shoehorn in other you, diversity you, quotas. Yeah, we don't need diverse female space Jesus showing up here. Here's what I'll tell you. If it's not one of the leads, people get upset. I don't care. I know I, you don't care, but if I state a universal truth in the universe, it is a universal truth in the universe. Your caring or not caring is kind of well, not the point. Okay, it, true and they shouldn't care and I, I think that's part that's really part of the problem with the the twitter verse like the outrage gets magnified over things that no one really cares about but because people can scream loudly through that megaphone they do and people take the screaming seriously and they people do being studio be executives because they're stupid all right that's and and with that stupid i'm calling it um so overall it's kind of a meh you know, there were worse things to watch. There are better things to watch. If uh, if you want to watch this, no one's going to punch you in the balls over it. Uh, and that is our <laughs> that is my Rotten Tomatoes review of Cowboy Bebop or whenever we make that milestone. Look, I, no one will punch you in the balls for watching Cowboy Bebop. Well, I can't speak to your personal life. <laughs> uh, look, last thing I want to say, if if the best if the only good thing that comes out of this series and i think this would be the only good thing is that the more people watch the anime i'll consider that a positive this is not good television i'm actually Look, intrigued you... I'm, i might actually give the anime a shot now first of all 26 is imminently doable if i have the time it's i think some of these ones that you guys have told me about is like oh you should watch this anime called ham sandwich and a humdinger okay how many episodes in it 
five billion. Well, that's why we keep making the One Piece jokes. One Piece is a big exception. That's like I don't have time to watch this. What's wrong with people? One Piece might be the longest running weekly scripted television uh, like cartoon ever. I'd say like you'd either be looking at uh, Sazai San, which nobody over here knows about, or maybe Doraemon, or uh, possibly. Oh geez, what was the last one I was thinking? Maybe, maybe Loop on the third, but yeah. Okay. Loop on maybe. What was the last yeah, thing you were going to say, Robert? In ten wins uh, or less. Uh, I, I was. What was I going to say? I, I, we were just kind of joking about anime length, and you know, One Piece being horrendously long. That I wasn't can't the wait. one thing you were going to say. Um, I think the only anime that I've pitched you is one that is yeah multiple seasons and uh yeah JoJo's Part Six did drop very recently, so I'm excited to go through that. Okay. That's the one that uh, I wish I could sell you on part six because it takes place in a prison. <laughs> I'm sure someday I'll have time. All right, folks. Alexis Haina, what do you got going on in your world? We have a Christmas trivia coming up. You sell some jewelry and I hear you paint houses. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, the Christmas show. Yeah, we are going to be recording that this coming weekend. That is the what day is? 11th. <coughs> Thank you. Yes, that is the 11th. Uh, we are still looking for candidates for that. We're going to be going over Christmas movies, Christmas uh, music, and Christmas traditions. Mark, I swear to God, if you drop a picture of Dominic the Christmas donkey, I will fly down to Florida and Do kick your ass. Do you acknowledge the existence of Dominic, my child? I acknowledge his existence from a joke on Family Guy. Good enough for me. As long as it is, look, if it is acknowledged, I will stop showing that picture. If you're going to argue about its existence in the universe, I will keep showing it. That is how this goes. Fine, then do me a favor and put up the pictures when Robert's doing his plugs, not mine. <laughs> well, you, you, my child, you have come to Dominic. You accept him in your life. You don't get the picture. It's fine. There's a family guy joke about a non-existent song. Oh dear! <laughs> go, go, Alexis. Just, just go. I'm not messing with anything. All right. For the record, actually, it is a really funny uh, joke. The the cutaway is that they're in the uh, jazz club scene from La La Land. Okay. And you have uh, Emma Stone playing Robert Go- Ryan Gosling on the piano, and it's really cute. And then all of a sudden, it's... I asked for I asked for Gre- I, I asked for Dominic the Donkey an hour ago. It's Christmas time. I want to hear Greaseball songs. Yeah, so yeah, he tells him to start playing that instead of the jazz music. <laughs> okay, and yeah, Ryan Gosling just looks pained as hell. He's like, oh, for God's sake, shoot me. Okay, so... I imagine that's uh, how anyone working on Family Guy feels these days. Going we're watching La La Land. Going for the buttons. <laughs> All right, so we are still looking for contestants. Uh, if you think you could master and best us in your knowledge of Christmas trivia, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Let me interject here. Right now it's myself and then the two gals from the Chair Shot Network who do a series of Hallmark movie reviews called Home is Where the Hallmark Is. Um, it's uh, I've been listening to their podcast. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, this is Jason Teasley's wife, Amber, and her buddy, Liz, who's actually a friend of Harry's because all the podcasters in, in the universe know each other somehow. Uh, so, yeah, you're looking for a fourth the, person. The podcast, look, the connected universes of the podcasting is <laughs> well established at this yes. point. So if you would like to compete against myself, who when I don't know the answer, the answer will be Dominic. 
Um, Jesse and I are Jesse and I are splitting. Actually, I need to find that because Jesse and I are. We usually have one of us do the questions, and mm -hmm. the other one keeps score. This one, I, we're both doing half the questions, so I don't know if one of we'll switch back and forth, or it's just gonna be like, okay, one of us asks the questions. So, so, the, so you'll be competing against, like I said, Amber Teasley and Liz. I can't pronounce her last name from Hallmark, where the Hallmark is on the Chairshot Network, and me. The purveyor of the religion that is Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey, brought to you by the great singer Lou Monty. I'm not entirely convinced now. Lou Monty was a person either at this point. You're going to get it. Oh, I've got pictures. <laughs> All right. And in the meantime, uh, Mark, I don't suppose you'd be kind enough to throw out the link to my store. Uh, do you still have it? I. I you keep talking. All right. So, yes, when I am not selling my soul for the Radulich and Broadcasting Network uh, or for MCU's The Bleeding Edge, it's another podcast that I guest on where we just recently uh, talked about our expectations for the upcoming Spider-Man movie. Got my tickets for that. Yay. Uh, Mark, also... The sad thing is Mark and I came up with the best ending for that movie and we haven't publicized it yet. All right. So other than that, when I'm not dealing with these two knuckleheads... Hi. Um, I run Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. Uh, purveyors of handmade geek-themed jewelry upcycled from old game pieces. We have been going just a little crazy. <laughs> Damn, Betty. Yeah, just been going That was a little... the one you had. That was the one he wanted to get. Ouch! And now she's pawing me like, Mom, get it back! Uh, we've been keeping extreme... He dropped the one he had to get that one just because Cleo was interested in it. Take this. You like this one more. It's the marrow bone. We've been going a little nuts trying to keep up with the holiday demands. Things have been going crazy, but obviously that's good for us. Uh, the big sellers this holiday season have included our Clue jewelry, specifically our Clue bracelet with pearl beads, our third journal Scrabble tile earrings, our Venom-inspired uh, scra uh, Scrabble tile ribbon choker has been very popular. Uh, I would say that's actually a better gift for someone who loves Venom than getting the Venom Let There Be Carnage DVD because if, Lord knows we don't need to sit through that shit again. If, if I buy, if I pay full price for the Captain Marvel inspired Scrabble tile dangle earrings, will you please send them to Jeff with my love? You sick human being. <laughs> I'm a scotch. Passively, <laughs> passively antagonistic is what I've been called. That's actively antagonistic at that point. <laughs> and you know it. Okay, so, uh, yes, uh, we are also doing our charity drive for every individual order that we receive for either our handmade at Amazon or our Etsy store. We will be donating $5 to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I actually need to go do the math on how much uh, we have racked up so far. I kind of lost count over this last week. <laughs> so if you are looking for a gift for your favorite uh, geeky loved one, still need something to throw under the tree, uh, come check us out. We're Again, we got stores on Etsy and Handmade at Amazon. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are always open for custom orders if you got something specific in mind. I actually just had a girl hit me up. She wants earrings featuring... I, okay, uh, does anyone here play Home... Uh, or, or not Homestuck. Um, oh my god. Uh, Homestar Runner? No, Homestar. hang on. What's the name of the freaking game here that she... Undertale! 
I'm aware. I'm aware of it. I haven't played it much yet. But if who's she asking for? Uh, she wants earrings featuring lesser dog. <laughs> she said she has been searching like crazy, has not found a single thing with lesser dog on it. So she wants earrings featuring lesser dog. She also wants a set of earrings featuring the Schnee family. Uh, crest from Ruby. Uh, Mark, again, I've said that's a fandom that you should really get your daughter into. I think she's going to love it. Uh, well, we the also... first couple of seasons, at least. Oh, I still think it's all really good. It doesn't It's not like it goes you know, downhill like Riverdale or <laughs> Chilling Adventures of Sabrina did. Nothing goes downhill like Riverdale. That thing started at rock bottom and kept digging. I like the first two seasons of Riverdale before they decided that it was going to turn into a massive... Uh, <laughs> Let's give everyone here a record contact, a record contract festival. <laughs> so, yes, if you are still looking for geeky gifts, uh, we are still shipping. Sh uh, should be able to get, if you guys get, should be able to get stuff in uh, before the Christmas deadline. Again, that's, my dog is knocking Christmas ornaments off the table. <laughs> that's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. David, you and I are going to talk Foundation and Lost in Space next. Um, is there anything else you're working on or that you wanted me to bring up real quick? I'll probably join in on the Christmas trivia this weekend. And uh, yeah, Star Trek uh, Kelvin retrospectives up for everyone now. I've heard good things from those that have listened to it. So check that out if you haven't already. Okay. And I know I owe you sometime in 2022 a pair of um, Star Trek Lower Decks reviews and i think whenever they announce the date for strange new worlds you and i will do that as well sure okay yeah uh robert like just do some like general plugs please where they can find your stuff and who you write for uh i write for 411mania.com i cover professional wrestling three days a week monday wednesday and friday AEW on monday mlw on wednesday that's going to be changing though because the fusion alpha is ending and they're moving on to their um uh, their Mexican-themed one that's going to be on Thursday instead. So be on the lookout for that date to change around, but MLW is still doing good stuff. And WWE SmackDown on Friday, the last episode of which was so bad, it drove people away from the product forever and almost caused a rash of suicides. <laughs> Not joking, terrible episode. Hopefully this week's is better. Um... Mark and I do movie review podcasts when those are out. Last week, we had a... I was on three episodes last week. There was a Damn You Hollywood for... Was it Ghostbusters? Nope. No, last week was... Last week was Encanto, Encanto Resident Evil, Welcome to Resident Raccoon Evil. City, and a triple feature and then the triple centering feature. on Bruised. Yeah, the triple feature of MMA-themed videos. So if you're interested in those, go back into just last week's archives. You can listen to those. Um, before I get... Before I get done here, um, last thing I wanted to say, we had the best month in our history pretty much for November, a really good month in terms of the number of people out there listening. So we're hoping to keep that momentum for December. We're doing pretty well already, actually. We're tracking quite high for us. So anyone out there listening or watching on whatever your platform happens to be, we thank you very much for your support. Uh, if you could give us a like, comment, subscription, follow, whatever the service happens to be. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a star rating, at least not a one star. We're better than a one star show. I've heard one star shows. And we are better than those. We are definitely better than Madonna. 
Uh, Tell your friends and your enemies. Write a review if you could, if you're on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, That would help. That all helps with the algorithm. Um, if you can, we're not asking you to get the alerts because God knows I don't for the stuff I subscribe to, but please subscribe to us on YouTube and here's why. Normally I don't bake for anything, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but if, you could, if you could subscribe to the YouTube page, um, we are trying to get to the minimum uh, subscriptions we have to on YouTube to get recognized as legitimate reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, and it's not even so much that I want that because I want to be a legitimate reviewer. It is I want a fat guy at the movies and Doug Walker can be on there, so can I. And that is my goal in life now. I, I've been trying to figure out what the next chapter of my life is going to be. My life is going to be to at least share the same internet space as Doug Walker. I feel like I'm at least that good. So Don't sell yeah. yourself short, Mark. You're much better than Doug Walker. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to be humble here. I feel like if he can be on there and so can Kevin Carr, a fat guy at the movies, why can't we? Well, why can't we? Because we don't meet the minimum criteria. So folks, do the American thing. Do like that gung-ho step. I know I'm referencing a very old movie, but get us to at least the minimum place we need to be. That's all I ask. I'm not asking to get us to the maximum place. I am not asking for you to go to a Patreon. I don't want your goddamn money. We <laughs> do, but we're we not do. asking for it here. <laughs> At the moment, I have just this one goal. You can give us your money by going to Grammarly and uh, Amazon Click Music. The links. Click the yes. links in the description. All right, folks, that's yeah. our review of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, for Alexis Haina, David Wright, and Robert Winfrey, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>